Heritage Thought Bank. Please hold the line. Welcome to the 22nd of January. The day the first Apple Macintosh was released and the day Kmart filed for bankruptcy. Essentially, the birth of an iconic red apple and mock black turtleneck and the death of the blue light special. Welcome to Thought Bank. I'm your host, Stephen Grossman. As modern humans, we've been around for about 200,000 years. Just to put that in perspective, the internet, the very core of our modern human existence, has been around for just 20 years. But in those brief 20 years, people have mastered the internet, while for 200,000 years or so, we're still rather clueless about each other. People as young as two and three years old have learned to control programs on the internet, to star in them, to contribute to the internet's buzz, to belong to things online, to be active members of online communities. People of all ages, race, religion, and economic status are coming together every second of every day to use the internet, to earn from it, and learn from it. People have learned to live with it, to feel they can't live without it, to love it, and to be hated by it. In 20 years, people have mastered riding the web like the Lone Ranger did his horse Silver. People have forged new and ever-innovative businesses out of the internet, shaped careers from it as if molding creations from Play-Doh. We don't fear the internet. We don't feel confused by it any longer. We've embraced it, adapted to it, and all that mastery and comfort and knowledge came about in just 20 years. That's an order of magnitude faster, familiarity and comfort interacting with the internet than 10,000 times that number of years to remain as perplexed by humans as ever. I'm struck by the number of books, podcasts, seminars, TV talk show themes, and general social media blabber about how to cope with other humans, how to cope with them in 10 easy steps. These books are not talking about how to communicate with goldfish or with fungi from another planet, nothing complicated like that. They're talking about how to reduce the complexity of human being into bite-sized pieces, pre-chewed and liquefied. Like a manual for dummies. How to program your universal remote control in three easy steps by ignoring the functionality of all the buttons on the remote other than the on-off switch. How to categorize humans as if they were cuts of meat on display at the butcher's That just seems kind of nutty to me. Based on consumption levels of all this material, we're utterly baffled by people, it seems, who are essentially crafted from the same basic material as one another. Could you imagine an elephant stressing out because he just had no idea how to get along with other elephants? Imagine a baffled Dumbo ranting, For the life of me, Margaret, I just don't get the whole drinking water and breathing in from the same long nose pipe. Do elephants struggle to form herds or generally have trouble finding a mate? Do they seek out books entitled Three Easy Terms to Define Your Perfect Pachyderm? There were no real manuals for how to make a living off the internet, yet people figured out for themselves at lightning speed, with great dexterity, imagination, and courage. So why, after 200,000 years being human, do we need some humans telling the rest of us humans that all humans are essentially just four kinds of humans. That's five people telling 7.7 billion of us to squeeze ourselves into one of four cramped boxes marked sanguine, choleric, melancholic, and phlegmatic, and another five, perhaps, telling us to get out of those stinking old boxes and into one of four newer ones called average, reserved, role model, and self-centered. 
Actually, I'd, I'd pay good money to see the lineup of those hankering to get into the average box. What rubbish. Four personality types, are they kidding? My five-year-old son has at least eight personalities, and that's just before we finally get through breakfast. The crap out there is phenomenal. How to talk to a Sagittarius. Learn color codes for different personality types so that if you're a red, you can still sell successfully to a blue. Color coding people. Really? Is that what it's come down to? I actually saw a bestseller pitch the idea that humans can be stripped of all humanness and complexity and changeable moods and of being, well, human by putting them into a handful of rigidly defined color categories. This preposterous idea negates an individual's personal history, his or her changeable behavior rich in context, and instead reduces that person to a blinking traffic light. The idea that someone wrote that book with any seriousness is funny. That someone published it in doing so potentially knocked a worthwhile book off the production line is bothersome. The fact that it sold so many copies and made it to some bestseller list is as distressing as being stuck in economy class on a long-haul flight with trapped gas from gorging on a large bowl of broccoli. Ouch. The overly simplistic approach to the complexity of human behavior makes me think of a color. Brown. To quote Monty Python, what's brown and sounds like a bell? Dung. And I suppose the successful authors of absurd book titles like The One Two Threes of Me, he's not an ass, just an extrovert. And how a Pisces can tame a lion can be given a color. The color for authors of paint-by-number psychology is green. Green from all the dollars people desperate for shortcuts to success and dominance put into these authors' pockets because in 200,000 years, people still think they need help to get along in a pack with their fellow humans. As someone whose professional calling has had me submerged to the darkest depths of human behavior where the worst kinds of malintent lurk, work that has taken me on journeys with people who are mentally or emotionally soaring to the outer reaches of the known galaxy, as a human cognizant of his own emotions and the effects those have on my speech and behavior, and as a parent watching his children grow into new skins and evolve and adapt every day of their miraculous development, as a parent filled with such awe at the impact and effect our kids have on us and how we have changed through them and how we, for better or worse, have affected them. I can say with great confidence that if you think success with your fellow humans will come from labeling them and pigeonholing them, you'll be missing out on the best part of being human and the best part of human interaction. And you'll be wasting another 200,000 years trying to get it. However, respecting the popularity of pop psychology and the marketing of self-help books, respecting the popularity, not accepting it, mind you, I offer the following simple but empirically proven method for judging instantly if a person is the kind of person you want to be around. It's called the sniff test. The sniff test was not developed in the hallowed halls of Oxford or Harvard or by a team at NASA or the Goethe Institute. It was developed by a group who truly understands teamwork, who know the power of being in a pack. It's not from one of the military special operating forces either. It was developed by an amazing group called Canis Lupus. Canis Lupus has a good 800,000 years over us mere humans. Wolves, and later their snowflakey alter egos, the domesticated dog, don't need color codes 
or to know four personality types to know if another wolf is good for the pack. Bad for the pack. An enemy, a mate, one to mate with, a threat, the funny kind you want to hang out with, the ones that are good to have at parties, or a boar, an erudite, or whatever. Wolves, dogs, they just walk around one another in circles, and upon each full revolution to the backside, give one another a good sniff. If you have the wrong kind of smell, which is not based on your mood that day, I imagine, possibly something you ate that day, not sure, they are assessing a molecular level, an odiferous marker from birth that tells the smeller all he or she needs to know about the smelly. I could draw you a diagram and all that, but this is a podcast, so no visual materials allowed. The ultimate point dogs and wolves make is stop wasting money on books about personality types. Save that money and take a trip somewhere instead. Travel the world. Meet new people. Get to know them. Ask them questions. Share your stories with them. And if you're not sure about someone, just give them the old sniff test. If after circling and whiffing a few times, and I most definitely mean this metaphorically, the person seems okay, then give that person a happy bark. Lick his face, again, metaphorically, and move on. Keep your mind open. Your nose clean. Eat an apple a day. Don't get fooled by blue light specials. And stay awake. You've been listening to Thought Bank.